and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. And I'm Chris. Kitty's not here, so I'm going to read the blurb at the beginning (laughs) of the episode. This week, we're talking about rewriting rules to games, which may be a bit ambiguous, so we're going to cover this in a few different ways. First, rewriting rules for clarity and brevity, the rewriting rules to change the things you don't like, and finally, just throwing everything out and making a new game out of the components of the old one. How will we fit this into an all- one episode, you ask? Stay tuned and find out. It won't be by more scripts. Uh, but first, as always, a thank you to our pe- Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wetworth, and the Gifted Gays and Grays Lake. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Speaking of patrons and people who email me, I owe at least three people games... You are now on the top of my to-do list, so those should be going out this week, I promise. Uh, you know who you are if you've emailed me in the last two and a half, three weeks, and I have not responded to you. I know you're there. Um, that sounded creepier than it is, but you're getting games out of it, so deal with it. Um, <laughs> you know who also, you are. You know who you are. Also, if you want to join us live on Zoom, tabletopgametalk.com slash live. And Fletcher already mentioned there's no kitty, something to do with kids being sick and not getting sleep, or I don't know, just prioritizing other things like health over board games. I don't get it either. Um, Fletcher, how was your week? My week has been good. What have we? Uh, Carmen and I bought a new bed because the old Ooh. one was hurting her. So was it a Casper? It delivered? No, it was not a Casper. <laughs> well, that's good. We're not sponsored by them. But even if we were, no. I would say don't do it. They're terrible casper's fine you thought so you said you thought the bed was too hard right it's so hard it was like a rock i thought it was i thought it was too like we both think it's too soft you could get a concussion so it's all subjective like, no that no, that bed is not like at cement. all <laughs> uh, well new beds are nice we have a we have a sleep number bed and i i absolutely love it it's the only bed i've been able to What's own number for, um, I think I'm like a 35 and Sydney's Holy like a 70. Crap. Yeah. I like pillow Man. soft. <laughs> that is, um, I feel like I'd get no support. Um, it, it, you know, eventually it starts supporting you. You just have it, the bed hugs you. At the same <laughs> you just time. have to it's sink so into nice. it first. <laughs> it's so nice. I love it. But yeah. Uh, How do you like your see. bed? Like quicksand. <laughs> I like to be I engulfed really by it so I can't get out. Well, yeah, that's Sydney the problem. Pull you out onto her side when you're stuck. <laughs> no, she throws you a line. She, she just laughs at me. I, I will roll onto her side, and then I can like stand up again. It's fun when the kids like jump into the bed, though. And they're on my side, and they really can't go anywhere. <laughs> they say, "Help, Daddy! I'm sinking." And you're like, "Where did you go?" <laughs> Sorry, that's what you get. Stay out of my bed. Yep, that's basically what it is. So, um, yeah. So I bought another 3D printer. That's uh, another one. Yeah. Well, so we talked about 3D printing last week and, you know, I had the resin printer and I really like it and it's really cool. But I'm like, now I want to print bigger things because I, you know, kind of figuring out how to model my own stuff and I want to print box inserts. But printing box inserts at like three inches by four inches at a time can take a little while. So I decided (laughs) I needed to get the filament printer, which prints really light but strong and it prints bigger and it really I just need to something that prints like six by six, but this one will print up like to eight by eight. So uh, that's inches for those of you internationally, which is, I don't know, some kind of number of centimeters. Um, I think it's like 20 some 2.54 centimeters. Yeah. Well, times eight. But times um, eight. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I 
I decided to get that. I don't have it yet. It's going to come tomorrow. And we'll see if it's more of a hassle to set up than the resin printer was, which I can't imagine it not being. But it has to be much easier to do the cleanup afterwards. So I'm I'm hooked. It's, it's There's no hope. And now I have to get a bunch of like colored filaments and stuff. And if they get you just like a regular printer where you buy the printer and like look at all these cool features and stuff. And then, oh, right. Every time you buy an ink cartridge, you're basically spending a third of the printer cost again. These these printers are the same way. Like every time you buy a, cart- a roll of filament, you're just dropping another 30 bucks. Um, and resin is another $40 a bottle. And But, you know, it's fun. You get to make things in, in real life. It's the razor and blade. It is. But it re- made me think so... You, I'm just going to segue into this topic because so Kitty is standing us up, which is fine because I really didn't want her to be part of this conversation anyway. And <laughs> I say that with yeah, all the love and respect I can. But really, because I was thinking if anybody has strong opinions about like manuals and rules, it's Kitty. Exactly. So if you go back to our rule book episode, Rule books have been removed from the available topic lists that we're allowed to talk about. So Kickstarters and rule books, we're not allowed to talk about those. And this episode is not about... Better than bed knobs and broomsticks. (laughs) That was the prequel. So we're not going to talk about specifically rule books much, a little bit, because it sort of all has to play into this rewriting the rules concept. Um but I didn't want to go down a rabbit hole on there. But I, I want to get your perspective on this because I don't think you were part of the rulebook conversation. And mm, I... Yeah, I don't know. We've so at least about I don't rulebooks re- at least tangentially before. Yeah, I mean, you can't not talk about rulebooks. Also, there's a little bit of house rules in this episode, but it's not really talking about house rules. And a little bit of game design in this episode. And all of these are topics we've done before. But I'm kind of putting them all into one episode because it's been top of mind lately. So, yeah, I just I want your feeling on this. So I'm going to start out right off the bat. How do you feel about rule books? Um, I don't know. They're good. They help you. Ex- they help explain the game that you just purchased. Otherwise, <laughs> you just bought a bunch of <laughs> dead trees and plastic. I wouldn't say that's good. I would say that's necessary. Good is different than necessary. Okay, fine. But you're right. It's necessary. And like anything, there are good rule books and bad rule books. I I mean, let me back up. There's there's better ways to explain rules for a particular game and worse worse ways to explain rules for a particular game, whether that's in a book, a pamphlet, uh, a video, audio you know, whatever. I like your slip of, and there are worse rules because I agree with you there too. And that's going to come up in today's episode as well of rules that are like rule books can be bad, but rules can be bad too. And yeah, if you, if you listen to enough reviews, you will find that it only takes one bad rule for a reviewer to be like, yeah, I would love this game except for this one thing, which leads me to my next question. How much do you care about what the rules say? And by that, I mean, if you're playing a game and you get a rule wrong, you read it later, but you had fine, it was fun playing the game the way you played it. Do you invalidate that game? Do you like the next time you play it, it's like, no, we must play by the rules or like, eh, I don't really like that rule. I like the way we did it better. So I'm going to keep doing it that way. Like, where are you on that must be played as written scale? Well, I feel like, I feel like to explain, to experience the game, you should at least play one game 
playing it with the rules as written. So you can decide if you like the rules or not. Otherwise, you're just kind of like guessing. Like, that kind of sounds dumb. But you don't actually really know until you play the game. So I think you should at least play the game with the rules as written once. Now, if you make a mistake and you interpret a rule incorrectly, um, you know, go back and be like, oh, I thought it meant like I should take a blue cube as opposed to like, you know, steal a blue cube from a player. So we should go back and, you know, next time we play, play by that rule because I misunderstood it. Um, but I forget what you initially asked. <laughs> no, that's that is. Basically, yeah. How much do you think that you must play by the rules if, the, if or you're not oh, yes. playing the same game? So at least once. Um, and then, you know, if you hate a particular rule, then house rule it. Because I feel like you're still pretty much playing the game. And, you know, if you get more enjoyment out of house ruling, you know, a particular a few particular rules or whatever, then, then do it. You bought the game. Have fun with it. It's a game, not an instruction manual. Well, I guess it does well, kind of come with an instruction It is manual, kind of an instruction I mean. manual. <laughs> yeah. It's an instruction manual that tells you how to play a game. But It's supposed to be wow. an instructional manual for fun. But if you're not having fun, make the rules fun. All right. So we're, we're on a similar page there. Now, I will go so far as to say I like playing by the rules. So there's you – know, I'm going to bring Car Typically, Wars as an I example. Do yes. Yeah. I'm going to bring Car Wars as an example because this is one that I've been passionate about lately being like there is one rule in that game that I absolutely not only dislike, I despise it. I think it's horrible, terrible, bad on so many levels. However, I have never – and even though I have an alternative rule that makes it very simple, I've only ever played with that rule once. And the entire time I was playing with the rule that way, the game was much simpler, much more streamlined, much easier to understand – but the entire time I knew I was not playing by the proper rules. <laughs> so to the point where when you guys came over, I'm like, okay, we're just going to play by the proper rules. Like there are a bunch of house rules I want to try and, and play through and all of this. But we're going to play as written because I don't want your first experience to be here's Chris's version of the game, not the designer's version of the game. And it doesn't matter how much I like or dislike. That, that's the case. Now, there are exceptions. Gloomhaven, for example. I played Gloomhaven by the rules, yeah. and there were elements of that game that I also too fiddly. <laughs> really felt was too fiddly, did not like them. Um, for those wondering, the fact that the way the elements work, just absolutely hate them. Way too fiddly. That. Yeah, way too fiddly. You have to remember at the end of time, knock the element down. My house rule for it was when someone creates the element, you pop it on the board. You just throw it right on the board. We get rid of the little element. A slider thingy you just pop it on the board when someone uses it you pull it off the board that's it that's the whole thing there's none of this fading away type of thing it works just also, fine did, did you house rule that if you create an element in your first thing you could use it in your next card yes yes anything because in the rules you're not you can't do that you have to wait yeah. to your next turn yep so if you have an element potion or element wand or whatever that's something that created an element you could use that in your in that same turn because that was just so dumb Right. So those those are my elemental tweaks or element tweaks. And then speaking of elementals, the summons, you can control the summons. They don't use monster AI. You just control the summons. So those are my two major things. Um, a couple other things that we let uh, do is we could sell things that we had tip like the by the rules, you have to sell them to the market and then someone else has to buy them from the market. Um, and so we're just like, no, you can just sell them to your teammate like you can't give them away but you can sell them and you know so little things like that but we played 
over 150 hours by those rules, and I don't feel like we didn't play Gloomhaven. It was just right. an easier way. So, But the first few times I did play it right, and I found I didn't like that. I think that's the best thing I can say for anybody. If you read the rule book and you think the rule is dumb or whatever the case, play the game twice before you change it. Have ideas. Like, I can't stop from having ideas when I read something, but play the game as intended first because sometimes no, Chris, it's. Stop having ideas. <laughs> I, I know it's terrible. <laughs> but sometimes it's not obvious how a rule is going to come across during play. And another thing, so here's the other side of it too, and this is a dirty little secret of just game design in general. People assume that games have been play tested hundreds of times. That is not true. Like, simply statistically can't be true, at least not by the designer. And unless the designer was to be blind playtesting, which is to say, I'm going to record a group playing my game with my instructions without me having any impact on it, the designer's not going to have the experience that hundreds or thousands of people are going to have once they start actually playing the game. This is why second editions exist. This is why FAQs and errata exist, because you simply can't test everything. And you have a situation where people just assume that since the rule's been written down, well, there has to be a reason for this. It's like, eh. you know, Car Wars, again, is a good example of a rule where as they were demoing this game to old school Car Wars players, there was a particular issue that came up that people would complain about all the time because it was different than the original. So they changed the rule and confused people enough where, okay, we won't complain about this anymore because... The rules confusing enough where we don't even know what to complain about. It's almost—it's paraphrasing a little bit, but it's not that <laughs> problem much. solved. Yeah. So, and then the and then it goes the out. Stopped. Yeah, the complaint stopped. And that's literally what I said. So the the game goes out, and I I have a suspicion that nobody is actually playing by these rules because I did a survey on Board Game Geek, and nobody's actually playing by these rules, or at least nobody knows that the rule works the way it works um, because it just doesn't make sense. But that said, you have people arguing that, no, this is the rule, so this must be it. My point isn't that a game got it right or wrong or whatever. My point is designers are human. And even if the game is as the designer intended 100%, you are not necessarily the person that's going to like that design the most. The designer is trying to build a game that works for the audience that they're targeting. But some audiences are going to like the game but not be that target audience. And there may be elements of that game that just don't work for them. So you should feel free to change them whatever you want. Just go ahead and change it. I want to get to a couple comments because um, these are good comments. Um, Terrence mentions that rules must be played for organized play. This is a huge one. This is one of the yeah. reasons why with Car Wars, I have a hard time playing my house rules because I want there to be organized play and tournaments that have a set of established rules. So far, there's been no announcement that that's going to happen, but I'm hopeful that it's going to happen. And that's why for this particular game, I want to play more by the rules as opposed to Gloomhaven, where there was never going to be a competitive Gloomhaven. So I wasn't really concerned about changing that. Um, we can only and hope. That, right. And then uh, Terrence also mentions the Monopoly effect to uh, essentially playing the way yeah. you think it's supposed to be played versus playing by the rules, which when rules get overly complicated and there's not enough people to correct you or you know you're not in organized play to learn these things you just kind of play however it makes sense keyforge is a great example of that there's a lot of rules in keyforge 
most people are playing on their kitchen table and they're not reading all the FAQs constantly to be up on all, you know, they're not judge level rules experts on these cards. They just play with whatever makes sense and they have fun and that's, that's good. So, all right. So that's my, I don't know if that was a rules rant or not. It was more of a public service announcement, but it sounded like a rant. Sound like a rant. It was a, it was, it was a rules rant. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit. I like what Terrence said about the Monopoly effect. Like, you know, everybody, well, at least most games of Monopoly, you house rule free parking. So, like, any taxes that are paid, like, go to free parking. And then when you land on a property and you decide not to buy it, it, like, doesn't go up for auction. Yes. Yeah. So, if you're not, yeah, if you're not auctioning properties or if you're putting money in free parking, in free parking, you are literally lengthening the game by two to three times as much. And you're probably making the game even worse. Yes. Yeah, watch making not a good game, an even worse game. Yep. Rodney Smith did a watch it play on Monopoly. Watch it. It's amazing. And yes, it was an April Fool's thing, but it was like a legit how to play of Monopoly. And it's so good. It's just so good. Um, all right. But speaking of people who do rules, let's go on to so I've talked about you know a little bit about rule books. Um actually I want to make more and more comment about rule books just to set the the level here of what we're going to talk mood. about the mood um, rule books are terrible. They're still terrible. And there's nobody who's mastered the art of teaching a complex game via a rule book yet. In fact, it's one of the biggest growing pains of our hobby are rule books. It is homework to yeah. learn how to play a board game, right? You are reading a manual and reading a manual is like reading a textbook and you have to be exact and you're and you're getting tested on it all the time that you're supposed to be having fun. So that's fine. They have to exist right now. Um it is just what it is. Videos are coming a long way in able to teaching rule books or replacing rule books or just teaching games in general, but videos make for terrible reference. If I just want to look up a rule, it's really hard to do yeah. via video. Scroll to minute 23 <laughs> and yep. to, for this section. Yeah. Yeah, and you you just can't hyperlink a video. And even if you could, you wouldn't want to. It's just a bad way to... It's like, okay, well, you're taking your turn. I'm just going to go watch YouTube for a second to see if we got that last rule right. Like, there's just no easy way to make that work. All right, so those are rule books. We know there's problems with rule books. This is one of the reasons why we might want to rewrite rules. Um, house rules. We talked about those briefly. Um, and we're not going to go too deep into them. But sometimes there's a, a rule you just don't like. So that's another reason why you might want to rewrite rules. Now, have you ever watched a YouTube channel called... Um, oh, darn it. I was I, I had meant to write it down. I think it's the Dragon's Tomb. No. And, um, so it's what... Like the, anything I've ever watched. What he does is he takes games... And he teaches the rules of the game with the Is components. Is it the Dragon's Tomb or the Dragon's Tome? Maybe it's Dra- Dragon's Tome. I think I think it's Dragon's Tome. Um, I had it open on a tab someplace, but yeah. So Dragon's Tome, basically what he does is he teaches the rules of a game using all the components, but he just completely makes up a totally different set of rules. Yes. And For anybody that's listening, it is called the Dragon's Tome as in book, T-O-M-B. Yes. It is so good. He did one on Anachrony recently, which so Anachrony is a game where you are it's, it's a Euro game with a time travel thing where you're borrowing resources from your future self and you have to pay it back or you build paradoxes and there's mechs involved and the planets being destroyed. <laughs> that sounds like an, interest. It's oh, it's it's so good. 
It's just good. I mean, it's interest. If interest Welcome was like destroying your game. timeline, <laughs> no, it's so good. It's one of my favorite Euro games, and probably it's in my top twenty games of all time. Like, I really, really, really like this game. But his version of it was: you're an Amazon warehouse um, manager, and you are attempting to maximize your output of delivering packages while working your workers to death and. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Is there a pee, my, in, pee in the bottle card? <laughs> Peeing in the bottle. Yep. Well, and, and basically your score is whoever can give enough worker tiers to um, Jeff Jeffrey Bezos is the winner at the end of the game. At the end of three hours. You have to play for three hours. At the end of three hours, whoever I has the most that worker as a, tiers. As worker tiers as in levels, not tiers as in No, as in tiers that crime. go into the pee bottles. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's so good it's five and a half minutes and yeah it it definitely he's making a um an anti-amazon statement for sure but i love amazon and i still was very entertained by this video so i am not offended by it i am entertained by it and it is fantastic the dragon's tome so that is another way that you can rewrite things and this is something that i think is interesting if when i was a kid i used to do this a lot um, I don't know if you did as well, but you get, you know, you find an old an old board game in the attic, right? And it's missing pieces, and you just make up a game around the pieces and components that you have available. Yep, I did that a lot with, and you know, my why, household of three, and it's just kind of like, okay, I, I, we had this one game, and I think the rules were like in German or something like that. <laughs> so I just, I just, I just made it. Was like it was actually really cool, um, and. Uh, there's like basically like four pawn pieces and a bunch of like these wooden pieces and stuff like that. And I would just build mazes and like come up with a game of like how to get one person from one side to the other. Like, uh, I don't know. And then wondering why we lose that as we grow up, because there are a lot of games out there. We don't have any more time to make stuff up anymore. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a theory that we're not able to be bored anymore. And if you're not bored, you tend to be less creative. So since we have access to like constant entertainment whenever we want, if a if something bores us, we just go on to the next thing and we don't try to like imagine it being something different. But I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole. But this is one of those things that I kind of like the idea of where it's like, okay, here's this game. I have all these components and I can see a different game here. I don't like what's here. But I see the game a game that I would like. And while I don't want to completely rewrite a game, although that's a great design challenge. So if you're a game designer out there, grab the worst game off of your shelf, throw away the rules, and design a game only using the components in that box. Limitations are the best way to like be creative. And if you just are able to use those components and just go, then that's going to inspire you to like do stuff. Um, Terrence just mentioned Pyramid Arcade. You know, Pyramid Arcade is a bunch of games in a box. Um, Joshua mentions the guilds of Cardwalla. Oi. <laughs> so apparently very bad. Um, so those types of games are, are great for just kind of like getting those creative juices flowing. And you don't have to do a full rewrite. There's two games that I've done what I would consider mods of more than house rules, but less than a full rewrite. And that's really kind of where I'm was like kind of thinking about this particular um, topic, but just adding in the other stuff there too. So 
Uh, oh, someone else asked. A, oh, actually, Terrence mentioned something that we is on my show notes list. So, Terrence, we're going to get to that in a second. Um, but I'm wondering, Fletcher, where are you? So you've played Kingdom Death, you've played Gloomhaven, you've played um, Sushi Go Party. Um, any of those games? I know they're very much in the same league. Any of those games? <laughs> are, are Were you ever drawn to say, you know something, this game would be better if only this, 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 and this. Not just one house rule thing, not or even a couple house rule things, but if this core structure of the game were different, I would like this game better. Um, no, because I've done the same kind of house rules that you did for um, Gloomhaven. But in terms of like, oh, I think this pretty much like core rule set should be swapped out to something else. I don't think I've ever done that. I, I've definitely played games and I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't like this game. Maybe, the you know, I guess that's like, yeah, these rules aren't very good. These rules need to be swapped out. But I haven't haven't gone that extra step to be to say, like, why I don't like this game a lot and like what changes would make it better. So I think I mean, because it, it is a hard question, right? It's Well, there's a hard answer to those types of questions. It's easier just to say, yeah, I didn't like that game and move on. But sometimes yeah. there's enough there where you're like, well, I really do like this game. But here are the main aspects I don't like. But and these this is minis how I think are you so fix cool. <laughs> well, let's talk about the minis one first. I just want to use these minis. Yep. And I've mentioned, I think I've mentioned this game before in the past and probably in a similar context, but Star Trek Ascendancy. I think it's Ascendancy. Um, this is a Gale Force 9 game and it's absolute trash. Just terrible. It's, it's horrendously bad. And, Tell but it's gorgeous. Yeah. No, no, no. It, I, well, I feel like it's not good, but it's gorgeous. And there's lots of cool factions and there's lots of, you know, faction powers that, you know, and by factions mean Federation, Klingon, Ferengi, you know, all those things. Um, the way the board is created is really, really cool. Uh, you know, you get to fly starship fleets around and fight with each other or explore, explore planets and all of this. But there are two things that make the game utter trash. Number one, the downtime is insane for a modern game. You must play it three players unless you're playing the Borg and then you can play against the Borg. But in general, you're playing three to five players. And if you're playing five players, you are literally waiting 40 minutes between turns. Like it's, it's about yeah, 10 minutes per turn. Long. Yeah. And you don't have to do anything during that time. Now, sometimes per turn is way too long too. It's an, it is insane. It is absolutely crazy. And that would be okay. You're invested in a game for a really long time. Maybe, you know, you, you are okay watching whatever else is going on. But there's these event cards. And half, eh, not half, about a quarter to a third of the deck are take that cards. Either just directly, not only take that or something horrible has happened to you that's going to just, you know, make sure you can't ever recover. It's just insane. Like, it's so... And the game, that would be okay if the game wasn't five hours long. Our first game, we played for seven hours. For the last two and a half hours, I had no chance of winning, but I also couldn't oh, stop yeah. playing. Right? So there was just like, okay. But you couldn't stop playing because you... Because if I had stopped like playing, the, the other two, well, the other two players wouldn't be able to finish their game. Oh, I They would see. have been so like, uh, okay, playing. well, I'm done. Right. Yeah. So it creates a situation where it's just like, this is agonizing, but it has the potential to be so much better. So my mod for that game was simple. 
Number one, the downtime's atrocious. On your turn, you have a certain number of command tokens, which are your actions. Usually, you know, somewhere between five and eight. Each action can take a decent amount of time, which is why you can get like up to 10 minute turns. And you take all of your actions before the next person takes all of their actions and the next person takes all of their actions. So you might be able to... Why don't you just like split it up so you just you have two actions on your turn and next or person. or even and just, just one going that way yep or take one. one action yep one action and the next person goes take one action what does that do nothing besides make sure that the downtime is minimized between players now it may take make the gameplay longer because there is some amount of time in switching players but I don't think you would feel like the game was taking longer because there would be a couple minutes between turns versus, you know, half an hour between turns. Number two, removing all of what I deem the stupid cards from the event deck. The card that says destroy one of your planets when you only have one planet and then, uh, okay, so I drew that as my first card and now I'm out of the game. So that's okay. Or your entire <laughs> fleet is destroyed. Or the player to your left chooses, you know, five ships and destroys them. Like all of the take that cards, all of the just random whatever. And on the good side too. So there's one card that's like, you get, you develop a random technology, which can take like 10 turns to develop. But nope, you just drew this card. So you automatically just get it. Here you go. All of those just removed. It thins the deck out quite a bit, but it makes the game playable. And it makes a long game not be so swingy based on one random card draw. Now, I that might be house rules for some people. I consider this a complete mod as I'm changing the turn structure and drastically modifying the event deck. But what are your thoughts on something like that? Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like I've never played this game, but your changes sound like they're for the better because, you know, a, a turn length, like 10 minutes per turn, even five minutes per turn is 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 way too long i think you need to be probably closer to like you know two to three minutes on like the long end and you know one to two minutes on like the short end or you know even sub one minute or for shorter games but i think that i would agree with you and say that this is pretty much a a mod of of that game um but you know if if this makes the game better for you and probably for everybody else that plays it, then yeah, go ahead. So, and well, and here's the other question. <clears throat> is it worth changing? And why would it be worth changing? Uh, there's obvious reasons why this is worth changing to me. So that's it's a game I still have in my collection, even though from day one, I knew this game was broken well, for me. Yeah, like you said, you, you saw something that was good in there. There was like a nugget of goodness. And also, you, you know, you might really like the genre or the theme star trek you know like oh i really like star trek so i really like playing in this universe i really like playing with this theme and you there was enough there that you saw that was good and that you know it was fun and you're like okay maybe you thought like on my turn i'm having fun because i'm get to do like a bunch of things that i find fun the problem is when it's not my turn there's like nothing for me to do and i don't really have to pay attention that much and i have to wait 30 minutes until i get to act again so let me just like watch a you know let me just watch an episode of big bang theory and i'll come back and see what happened on my on my turn yeah so i'm looking at the bgg entries right now and for those who don't go to bgg um that's probably good um it's just you can spend a lot of time (laughs) on there (laughs) but the forums are split into multiple different categories and the general category is general and then the the three i think main ones 
are general rules and variants. So when I look at Gloomhaven, there are 6,500 posts under general. There are 6,300 posts under rules, and there are 600 posts under variants. So it's a very popular game. It was in the top 10 for years and years and years. So it has a lot of traffic on there. But the variance is about, what, 10% of general. So we'll just, you know, of the people who just had general, actually, whether it's general or rules, it doesn't really matter. But people who had just, you know, ge- generic rules questions or generic conversations about it, about 10% of the people had an idea for how to change the game. When I look at Star Trek Ascendancy, it has 653 general threads. It has 489 rules threads. And it has 303 variant threads. Almost half of what you would have for general or rules is invariance. People want to like this game, but people want to fix this game. And this is, you'll find this in a, go ahead. How do you think this game like made it out of like basic playtesting? Because they must have done at least some playtesting and like I, I'd some actually, feedback. It's like, what do you think? It's like, oh, it was good, but like I had to wait so long between my yeah. turns. I literally talked to that. the designer about this because I, I bought this at Gen at the Gen Con it was released. We played it that night. I talked to the designer the next day and like, so what do you say to people that, you know, let's say the game length is a bit long and there's a lot of downtime? And he's like, Well, you just need to play better. Like that was that was literally you need to play better. Yeah, you need to play better. It shouldn't take that long. Like that was his response to me in all seriousness. Great. Now I'm I have a feeling that he heard this question over and over and over again and was just sick of getting it. So it was just like, all right, I've done answering this question. Um but yeah. And Gale Force Nine, I mean, they do some decent stuff, but all their games seem they're a little just rough around the edges. They all all have felt to me like they're rough around the edges. Um but I own them. I, I like some of them. They're just, you can tell that the design team there is more interested in, and this is going to sound bad, but I think this is actually true. They're more interested in theme than gameplay. Star Trek Ascendancy is thematic. It's not very smooth in the gameplay. And like Firefly is another example that they have. It's very thematic, very long, not super smooth in the game and Terrence mentions that the Firefly Adventure rulebook was very, very bad. So, like, those types of things, you know, Doctor Who is another one that Eric mentions. You know, very thematic. Like, they like their licenses and they believe in those licenses. But to make a game that just sings is tricky. Um, Dune Imperium. So, there's three different Dune games right now because the, the new movie came out. Um so we have the classic Doom from like the late 70s. That one, Gale Force 9, actually rep- reprinted. Then they made a streamlined two-player version of that um, that they just released. And then there is a one that Portal Games has released. It's based on um, Detective. So it's more of like a mystery um, s- like story-solving puzzle in the Dune universe. And then there's Dune Imperium. Now, all of these games feel thematic in their own way. I have not played... Uh, the two-player Dune or the detective version. I have them sitting on my table yesterday, but I've yet to play them. But from what I can tell, those games seem... Well, the two-player version of... um, I think it's the two-player version. Maybe it's two to four. Anyways, it's a smaller number count. But in, in any case, Dune Imperium is the least thematic of them all, but feels the most engaging of them all. It is absolutely an amazing game. That still has theme, but focuses on gameplay, where 
the stuff that Gale Force 9 has put out is very, very thematic, excruciating to play. At least the original. <laughs> they didn't really change anything for that. They just republished it. So I can't begrudge them that. And I haven't tried the, the scaled down version. I will try that and maybe I'll re-give you a new opinion there. One turned feels like a thousand years. Yes, exactly. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention Gaslands, and then we're going to move on to rule summaries. Not Well, Gaslands. Gaslands Car Wars. So we talked about this a little bit um, when we all played Gaslands, then Car Wars. And one of the things that I really love about Car Wars is how easy it is to build the system, build a, build a car. Um, the movement system, the combat system, all of those things I really, really like. Targeting system is easily replaced. But after playing Gaslands... Gaslands is a smoother play, not because it is a better game, but because you are doing a smaller bit of of something more often than a lot of something less often. Specifically, in Gaslands, you move one turning whatever, whatever the you know the movement template is, and then you shoot at something. There you go. That's your turn. Move and shoot. Move and shoot. Move and shoot. Yeah, if you're in range, it's, that's pretty much it. Yep. In Car Wars, it's move and shoot, but it's move all of your movement. So you, for, to make it an equivalent analogy, you're moving one to five templates, and then the next person moves one to five templates, all based on your speed. And if you have four people, you're all doing that before you then go around and you can shoot twice on your turn, and the next person, the next person, the next person. But everyone's taking all of their... T- movement all at once and all of their firing all at once. So it feels like you're waiting around a lot more and doing a lot less. And it feels like you're not able to react as much. Where gas lands, it's move one point, fire one shot. So I'm thinking about it and I'm like, well, why don't we just change the turn structure? Why not just have Car Wars move one point and then the next person moves one point and you just keep going around until everyone's spent all their movement points, which again is equivalent to their speed. Well, that works fine for simultaneous movement, but you saw this shooting thing. So I'm like, and that's what was my original thought before I played Gaslands. But now I'm thinking, wait, you can move a point, and at the end of any movement point, you can decide to have one of your crew members fire. So you can move and optionally shoot. Now, you only have two crew members, so you can only fire two shots within a round, but you can fire it after any movement point, any one of your crew members. And suddenly you have a game that plays very smoothly allows you a lot of control and doesn't really change the general balance of the game at all because you're still doing the same things. You're just inner, you're weaving it amongst the players. So I'm curious what your idea on that is. And hopefully listeners like have enough to understand like the idea, the change and why it could be very different, but maybe not bad. But I don't know if you perceived a problem. We played a four player game. Was it even a problem for you? Um, so I was thinking about how you said the movement was going to work and my initial thing was like, okay, well, my initial thought was like, all right, this would work, but then it kind of gives a bonus to people who are going faster because if, if you're going faster, you can, uh, basically decide where you end up on the board as opposed to if you just do it in turn order, um, the person who goes last can basically see the board state and like, where do they want to end up? So I'll stop um, you there real quick but that, because, but that marker, I, because I, yeah. I glossed over that, but the person with the most movement point would go first. 
So actually, you still have the first player marker, but only people going fi- speed five would move. Then people going speed four, then three, then two, then one. So everyone takes their last movement point all at the uh, same time. Excess movement goes first. So you don't have that advantage of, wait a minute, now I'm going fast so I can position myself at the end. Got it. Okay. That makes that makes more sense. Because um, that was my first thought. And then uh, my next thought was like, well, I guess if you're having, if people can shoot optionally at the end of their movement that kind of balances out my first incorrect you know assumption because if it's your turn like if if you're the last person to go and three people move before you that's not a huge amount of distance and you can decide if now is a good time to shoot or you want to wait till your next movement point or something but i think like you said reversing it so everybody takes like their last movement point at the same time would balance that out and i think that makes a lot of sense um the only thing and it's not necessarily bad but the only thing that could be slightly confusing is um i don't know would i get i guess reversing the turn order solves this problem that i initially thought of but would would players get a chance to optionally shoot if they don't have a movement to spend that turn that time yeah so basically what would happen is and shoot after your last movement point you would be able to fire both shots no, what I mean is like, let's say, you know, someone oh. is going faster than you. No. Right? No. So, yeah. If, if you're going faster so you, and you have to move and then shoot. Yes. So you don't get, you don't get to, you don't get to sit there. Someone's going faster. And if they drive by you and you would be next in turn, you can't optionally shoot and not move. Actually, why not? Like, this is our mod. And this is the kind of yeah. thing that, you know, when you're playing with a gaming group, this is the kind of conversation you want to have. And, and, you know, I'm not, I'm kind of using this as an excuse to talk Car Wars, but also I want to use it as an example of how you might modify a game so that your play group would be, would have a, a better time with a game that you really want to like. And I think that that is a great change. So you still have a first player marker. And the way I would envision it is everyone sets their speed at the same time. So they grab a number of tokens equal to their speed. They put them in front of them. So you always know how fast everyone's going. And you just go around. If you don't have equal to or more than anybody else tokens, you can't move, but you could still choose to shoot. And then the next person goes and they could move and shoot if they had those tokens. Well, they'd have to move if they have the tokens. So you could do something like that. And that would allow you to do exactly what you're saying. Yeah, that was my thought is like if someone's going past you, because if you're kind of making it's kind of like a car simulator, kind of car combat simulator in a way. And you can say like, oh, well, I'm only going, I'm going slowly. And this guy in front of me goes quickly. I can see him coming. But in, when he's in range, I decide to fire my gun. Yeah. Even though I'm putting along. Yep. And that person is still getting more defense dice because they're moving quickly. It's not different than right. what actually happens in the current game where everyone does their movement and then everyone stopped and fires two shots. So none of those things are different. It's just when you do them. And I think it adds another strategic element. But here's the thing. This is theory crafting right now. This is in my head. I need to get three people together. And I think I'm looking at three people that might want to play right now, maybe four (laughs) or five, and play that way where everyone understands we are playing this with a modified rule set and we all are okay with that. It's not me teaching them a new rule set and saying, this is the way we're going to play because it's my game and deal with it, right? Everyone has to buy in. Slightly, right. I think these rules that we've kind of come up with on the fly, mostly you, are going to be like more more complicated because it's easier to be like, you know, everybody moves two 
and then everybody shoots too. Or, you know, every, everybody moves yeah. and then everybody shoots too. Like that is very simplified. Yep. Well, my concern is, again, that task switching. The more you switch to another player, the more you have a chance that someone's not paying attention. And then that can slow right. down the game. But the faster players are switching, the less likely you have a player who's not paying attention. So does that balance out? So again, it's one of those right. playtesting things. Now, if you really want someone to tell you they hate this idea, post this in the variance thread of your particular game you want to change. Because you will have a whole bunch of people telling you why it's dumb and why you would never want to change the game because it's balanced the way it is and it's going to break this or that or whatever. I say to that, so what? They're not in your gaming group. If you like the game the way you like it, play it the way you like it. Um, Bloodborne was another one I've talked about in the past where the game is virtually unplayable as written for me. Like, I, I want to like this game. There's core systems in there that are fantastic. But the idea that I can lose to random happenstance in a second chapter and have to reset the entire three-chapter campaign is just not something I can put this table back on. Uh, I, I just can't put it back on the table. Because, yeah. Uh, and the thing is, I would normally play this solo. So I know when I'm playing this, I'm just playing it wrong if I'm playing it solo. So in that case, I'm like, I'm not even sharing this with someone and having fun. I'll just go play something that actually is fun in the rule book. So I don't know. It's it's a conundrum for me because I love redesigning, second guessing, crapping on other people's work. All those things sound bad, though. <laughs> That's negative, right? No, but I like tweaking things. I like looking at systems and I like tweaking them. It's just that's the way my brain works. Or even critiquing. Or critiquing, yes. But I still need someone to be able to play with and also someone who enjoys that critiquing and wants to try new systems versus someone who's like, no, I don't really see a problem with that. Um, Because then I have to convince somebody that there is a problem and that's not nearly as much fun. So I don't know. All right, let's talk about the this this is the tidbit of the podcast where if you've made it this far, you deserve something <laughs> rewarding. Is this a new a new segment? This is a new segment. Well, it's not a new segment, but it's a new subtopic of rewriting rules. And this is the rules summaries. This is the concise brief rules written in a way where I don't have to flip through a 64-page rule book. I just have, here are the rules. One of the most common things to happen is I, I learn the rules, I play a game, I put the game away, and a year later, someone wants to play the game, and I have to relearn everything about it. So then we end up playing Sentry, yeah. because I know those rules. But the esoteric order of gamers... And that's the order of gamers.com. It is, I'm going to put it in the show notes. It is amazing. So this guy is a, uh, like a graphic design layout person in, in real life. He has almost 390 games. So 389 games and counting where every one of these games, he has done a two page rule sheet for which has all the rules for the game. So it's basically an A4 front and back or, you know, standard paper size for us in the US. And that's it. You print it out and boom, you have all the rules on the front and back of a piece of paper for whatever game. Now, he cheats a little bit because he also does player aids that are usually um, another page long just so that everyone can have a player aid. But when he's able to do things like the War of the Rings in two pages 
or uh, Star Trek um, Rebellion or Star Wars Rebellion in two pages and actually be something that you can play a game from. It's masterfully done. And every one of these is themed to follow like the look and feel of the game in question. And but like everything about what he does here is intentional. And and you look at this and it's just like digestible, easy to read. He'll go back and revisit them over and over and over when he gets feedback on things. If you have a favorite game that has a rule book that's a little bit, check out this site, Order of Gamers, and see if he has a two-sheet um, rules summary for you and the player aids, because the player aids are also fantastic. I'm looking at the Battlestar Galactica one right now, and I'm just like, this is just, it's it's glorious. It's just glorious like it feels like this should just be printed on cardstock in the box every single one of these things that he puts out love it i'm looking at one for gloomhaven this seems longer than two pages though so again he cheats a little bit when he starts doing um uh story or uh player references but let's take a look at the one for gloomhaven as an example and don't worry listeners um just bring this up on your I mean, phone still- don't do it <laughs> it's still a lot shorter than you know the actual manual. Yep. All right. But so most technically, of the time on that actual manual, I just like looked at the back page, which has like the quick reference for like what does yeah. the symbol mean again and what does it do. Yeah. So this one actually is a four-page rule summary. So summary fr- summary one front and back, summary two front and back. Um, how does he break this up? Basically, there are just too many rules in Gloomhaven uh to yeah. be able to yeah so the first three pages are the rules and then the last um page the fourth page is the campaign mode rules so whether you're playing just the scenarios or how you'd play through the campaign plus then he has some really really good player aids that are two-sided player aids as well um so yeah if you play gloomhaven just go out and and grab this uh it's just nice to have uh, it's again, it, it looks very professionally done. He has a, uh, a Patreon, which seems to be doing fairly well. Like he keeps putting these things out. Most of them are also on BGG. So if you look at, you know, board game geek and you're interested, if you look for, um, es- esoteric order of games, you want his summary sheets and you'll find just tons and tons of stuff. Um, he does not have some of my favorite games such as Cthulhu death may die. But he has more than I would think any person could possibly comprehend this many rules well enough to make this kind of product. I don't see a Kingdom Death monster uh, on his on his site, and that one needs a new rulebook because <laughs> it's literally a book. Yes. Well, so here's here's one: War of the Rings. This is one of the best games in existence. Um, not just for me saying this, but Board Game Geek rates this. This was number one on Board Game Geek for a long time. Uh, it is currently clicking on the top list here. War of the Rings is number ten of the top board games of all times. This came out in 2012. This is the oldest game in the top ten, and actually, yeah, up until Twilight Struggle, which is number thirteen, it's the oldest of the top twelve. So this game, the box cover to me looks like crap the miniatures inside of the box are all just uh, they're different colors based on player colors but you'll go cross-eyed trying to figure out which miniatures are which you have to paint this game you have to put extra treatment into this game 
But everything you do with this game is worth the investment, except for the rule book, which is unbearable. You cannot learn this game Ugh. from the rule book in the box. But people love this game so much that if you go to Board Game Geek and you download the unofficial rulebook rewrite, that rulebook is amazing. Like, it is what they should just be putting this in the box now. He took the original PDF, broke it up into pieces, put examples on there, put it in, in sections that mattered, and made it something you could actually learn the game from. Didn't change any of the rules, just represented them and made this a game that you could actually learn and play. Joshua mentions way better. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it is just, I appreciate people who do this so much because learning games is hard and publishers writing rule books is hard. And even if you have a great rule book writer and you're still not going to write something that's going to work for everybody. It's just too many people learn in too many different ways. So people who are willing to spend hours days, weeks on some of this stuff just so other people can enjoy a game that they like. I have to give them like props. So, yeah. I just I'm pr- I'm probably going to use this, like this guy's website a lot because that's one of my biggest hang-ups of board games making it to the table. It's like, oh, last time I played this was like 8 months ago. How how do the rules work? Like I generally get like what I need to do, but if I had to explain it to someone, I don't think I could and they'd be even more confused than I am and I'd just be sitting there reading the rules all over again so it's like let's play this game okay but first let me do 45 minutes of prep before i before we play this game and that most of the time does not sound super fun yeah if you can find if you if his and again there's almost 400 games here so there's a good chance he'll have something on your game of choice but yeah if you've ever played the game at all reading over one of his rule sheets will be like yep i'm caught up and I know what's going on. And I don't need the rule book. I can just reference everything from this sheet. Because he doesn't really, like, he'll, you know, omit a few things here and there for brevity. But typically, he doesn't actually change or omit any major rules. Like, it's not a it's not a bulleted summary like the back of an instruction book typically is, where you have to go to the rule itself to get all the details. This typically has all the details in the game. And... I, again, I just can't speak highly enough of this. Oh, he did a Summoner Wars. Did he do Summoner Wars? Is this first or second? Oh, this is first edition Summoner Wars. He needs to do a second edition Summoner Wars. Not really. Summoner Wars is a really easy game. So it doesn't need a second edition. Um, all right. So what do you think about rewriting rules? Did we, did we go all over the place? Did I go all over the place? Yeah, I think we rewrote the episode on this one. <laughs> we'll rewrite it again and again and again. Lost my notes. Okay, let's see. Did I cover everything I wanted to cover? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is this isn't even the notes that we're running. Like Fletcher, <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just lost. I have no idea what I'm doing anymore. Um, Are you on the wrong notes page? <laughs> I was for a moment, but now I'm back. So, all right. Again, I'm just gonna one more time. Orderofgamers.com. It is a great resource. I will put the link in the show notes. And if you want to redesign a game, just do it. Do it for fun. Do it because why not? Do it because nobody's going to arrest you for doing it. No one's knocking down the door saying, you changed what? Just see what happens. If you change it and your group likes it more, awesome. If your group doesn't, We're go the back to the original police. rules. Yeah. There are so many board game polices. Hand over just, your D20. Yes. You did it wrong. What really amazes me is in the role Drop playing. Drop and give me 52. Yeah. <laughs> in the role playing world, we have no problem 
house ruling all day long. And I think it's because we have like a, a dungeon master or a game master who's it's their prerogative. What they say goes. Well, also, it's in the rules that it's like change these or yes. like it, make it how you I like w- it. I wonder why more board. Actually, OK, we're going to add a bonus topic real quick here. Games bonus that round. have like 18 variants at the end of the rule book. What do you think about those? So here's the rules we presented, and here are a bunch of different ways that you can change them if you want. Um, I don't think I have any games that have 18 variants, though I have seen games that have like one or two. I feel like if there's 18 variants to the game, um, I don't know what to think about that. I guess it's fine, but like it's almost like you couldn't decide. I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's the big problem for me, too, is I don't like it. Assuming they're not like like difficulty levels. Sure. No, I'm talking very different ways to play. Like, now, it's fine to have a competitive in co-op. Like, I like that. Uh, right. Solo version. All of those are fine. Those are those are different modes. In difficulty. Not, not yeah. variants of play. But And I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But there is one that when I go to the back of the book, there's like, here are a bunch of variants that you can do. And they're all treated as, you know, you can add this or do this or not do this or that. And I'm like, oh, wow. My impression is they couldn't decide what they wanted to do, like you said. And they couldn't trust me to decide what I how I wanted to change it. So you gave me a bunch of variants that I'm like, now I want to change. I want to I want to put variants on the variants. This 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 is very Inception. I don't know. I don't know. You and then I just ignore those pages. Yeah. I heard you like variants. So you <laughs> put variants in your variants. Put variants there. But at the same time, there are also people that are like, I refuse to play by a house rule unless I get a blessing from the designer saying that that house rule won't break the game. Like. There are literal people out there that say that. Um, Rado is one of those people, Richard Ham. He's like, yeah, unless the designer says it's okay, I assume that they designed the game in a certain way, which is ironic because, again, he's a game designer. He should know. I don't know. But anyway, um, I just think it's funny. All right. I have opinions. We all know this. I'm going to stop talking now. So, um, Fletcher, I'm going to do Kitty's part, and then you're going to do your part. Unless you want to do Kitty's part, and then I'll do your part. All right. No, you do kitties. Tables. You're going to do kitties? No, you do kitties. All right, I'll do kitties. Uh, Table Talk Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, well, we have links in the show notes for Facebook and Twitter. Um, we're not actively that active on Facebook and Twitter. Every time I do these, I'm like, I need to rewrite these. Uh, but what we do have is you can watch us record live Monday nights, 830 Central, uh, tabletopgametalk.com slash live. There's a link in the show notes. So check us out there. And if you have any comments or questions or you want to contest and you're like, where's my games? Um, email me at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Also, all of our hosting fees and much of the shipping and the games that I give away are partially support or partially made possible from our sponsors, which are our great patrons. Also, the monetary stuff is, is great and it does help me break even a little bit. Um, but mostly... It just means a lot to have people that are willing to like back us in a monetary way. So I, I, we say it every week about how much we appreciate you and all of that, but it's really, truly, truly true. Um, the patrons make it fun to do every week, mostly because I'm sharing yeah, it. A bunch no, of every right week now too. I, I'm astounded that uh, that a people show up and p and b people actually give us money to <laughs> yeah, so we can continue it, to put this out. <laughs> Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a lot of money. I think the lowest one's like $2, so. Um, all right. And that's that's my modified kitty section. All right. I will do my unmodified Fletcher section. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. 
Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miltner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Yanikowski, David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Anne Reynolds, Christopher Letgo, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Joe Raxad, Withman Keith, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rang, Nicholas Lotz, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Loom, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Baz Lintham, Eric Salander, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Sir Sully, Andrew Fayesh, Kamal Berth, Peter Fleming, Gary Bunker, Lightning Steve, Jim Conrad, Dan Seed, Orion Ellett, Danita Hersey, Courtney Falk, David Wagner, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Gail- Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, Ronald Roy, Tony Simpkins, David Garner, and Darren McClellan. And I already thanked you all, but I'll thank you again. And until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So, Fletcher, are you going to help me write my Car Wars Car Builder online? Um, yeah, I guess I'll pull out my rusty JavaScript and, and break all the, the things that you wrote. Hey, I, I just I need someone to boss around. I can barely write code anymore by myself. So <laughs> <laughs> that makes two of us. <laughs>